It's from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 34. So do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word stands true, and I thank you that your word is living and active. And I pray that what comes from you today would not fall on deaf ears. And whatever is not from you, may that pass through our ears and out the other side. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this Lent season, the day that come, starts after Pancake Tuesday and culminates at Easter, gives us a, a fresh opportunity to slow down, a fresh opportunity to take stock, a fresh opportunity to seek God, a fresh and so Lent is often associated with what we give up, and understandably, but there should also be the preoccupation with what we take on. It's not just what we're going to give up at Lent, but what we're going to take on. So often we commit to giving up X so that we can seek God more. And that's what my hope is for each of you and for me this morning. Not merely that we give something up, but in, in worship, in our hearts and minds, we are occupied with, with seeking God first and foremost and seeking his kingdom. And so our passage this morning is from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And, and the Sermon on the Mount is often described as Jesus' manifesto. And it's very much at odds with the values of the world. Uh, the world values power, status, wealth, prestige, position. And you, you only need to go into your workplace. You only need to go to college. You, you only need to step outside into the city to see that. But in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we see Jesus values the weak, he values the lowly, the poor, the excluded, he values the humble, the hungry, he values the marginalized. 
And so in the Sermon on the Mount, once, uh, once he had proclaimed the kingdom and once Jesus had chosen his 12 disciples, he goes on to describe what life in the kingdom looks like for those who have already entered. So that's what the Sermon on the Mount is, is towards, towards Christians, towards disciples, uh, to show them what, what life in the kingdom really looks like. And one of the ultimate markers that Jesus is your king is that your life is free from worry. And so Jesus expects and even commands his followers not to worry. And so you see in the screen in our passage for today, three times he commands us not to worry. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Verse 31, so do not worry, saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink? And then verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow. Now, I want to tell you, Jesus would not ever give us this command if he didn't expect that we could be obedient to it. And so whenever God commands us to do something, he gives us the resources and he gives us the motivation and he gives us the power and the perspective to actually obey it. And so that's exactly what Jesus does here. And we'll come to see today that that seeking God's kingdom and trusting God's ways and doing that, we can be freed from lives of worry. And so it's going to come up on the screen. Today, I want us to look at three things. What causes us to worry? And it's going to be the fear of losing earthly treasure. And uh, why should we not worry? The providential care of our heavenly father. And then how can we not worry? And it's by realigning our gaze. And so as we finish today, I want our gaze to be lifted from the things of this world and from our worry back onto our heavenly father. So what causes us to worry? You know, I'm quite conscious that as I teach on this subject, our minds may jump to the question, well, well, Maffe, what about clinical anxiety? Surely it's not just as simple as this. And you'd be right. It's not as simple as that. And, there are, and what, what I'll say is that low-level worry and clinical anxiety are, are two different things. They're not the same thing. And this is a bit of a caveat, but clinical anxiety is a, a form of mental suffering. It's not a form of sin. And I want you to hear that this morning. Let me be clear on it. It requires healing and it requires help. It doesn't necessarily require repentance and and effort. So for those with clinical anxiety, worry isn't simply a matter of choice. But what this passage is referring to, however, is is a needless and incessant worry in our daily rhythms of life whenever one should be trusting and holding on to God's word. So what causes us to worry? And often it's a fear of losing something. It's a fear of losing something that that causes us to worry. And that's why we worry. We we worry because we fear we might lose something. And so what is it that we might fear losing? We see it in the passage. It's earthly treasure. There's something that we value so much, an earthly treasure that we might worry, and it keeps us up at night. It causes us to be restless, causes us to be sleepless. And this is why Jesus is saying that we shouldn't store up treasure on earth. Because there's always a chance of losing it. Look, look what Jesus is saying. Moth and rust will destroy it. Thieves can break in and steal it. Everything earthly deteriorates. Even loved ones die. And so Jesus couldn't be clearer. We worry because we fear we might lose something. And therefore, he urges us to consider the significance and the security of our treasures. In verse 19 We can see that earthly treasure is corruptible and therefore it's insecure. Earthly treasure is vulnerable to wear and tear and theft. Verse 20, heavenly treasure is is incorruptible. Heavenly treasure is secure. It's not vulnerable to wear. It's not vulnerable to tear. It's not vulnerable to theft. Heavenly treasure cannot be got at. You cannot lose it. 
And look what Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Don't store up treasure on, on earth, but on heaven. Therefore do not worry. And so this, this low-level uh, anxiety and worry is a result from laying up treasure on earth that we might lose. And so often we, we worry because we're focusing on the earthly treasure and the earthly treasure is always, always vulnerable. Earthly treasure can't be guaranteed. It won't last forever. Earthly treasure is not safe. And even if some of it lasts through this life, we can take none of it to the next life with us. But whenever we drill down a little bit deeper, whenever we drill down a little bit deeper, we discover that the reason that we fear losing earthly treasure is that in losing it, one of two things happens. We find that that treasure actually provides us with some form of significance or that treasure provides us with some form of security. And it could be significance. And, and Jesus picks out the things that preoccupy us. It could be food or drink or clothes. And maybe, maybe in Dublin today, it could be our job. It could be our, our house. Maybe it could be my hairspray. You, you, you never know. And, and as, I, as I was prepping for this, I was thinking, Maffey, you're, you're, you're living out in Turlestown at the moment. You want to move inside the M50. You're, you're hoping to move towards Glasnevin, Whitehall, Artane direction at some point this year. Maffey, you're... Your mind has been preoccupied by the desire to move. And, that, and the desire to move house is no bad thing. But in, in, in culture and in the city of Dublin, you see how tough housing can be. And so, so often my mind is drawn towards this. And it can be often drawn towards us at the expense of my, my, my peace and my security in the Lord. But Jesus is saying, are you not much more important than these things? whether it's food or clothes or where you're going to live. And whenever we consider the birds and how God takes care of the birds, he goes on to say, are you not much more valuable than these? So Jesus is, is asking us to re-examine our importance and our value. What makes us significant as, as, as people? Is it the things that we have or is it who God says that we are? So recently I actually lost my wedding ring and I've got it back, but I was expecting to come here today with no wedding ring. I was playing football last Saturday out in Tymon Park and it was soaking wet. It was, it was a horrible day to play football. Got back home, got a shower, got changed, went to put my wedding ring on and was gone. And uh, it wasn't the first time I've lost it. And I knew I'd lost it out in the football pitch before and I knew that I'd found it before. So I went back to look for it on the Saturday. I could not find it. So on Sunday at church, I gave an appeal to the, my congregation and one guy came and gave me a metal detector. So on Monday, I headed back to the football pitch in Timon Park to look for the, uh, the ring after work. And it was soaking and it was wet and I got drenched. I did not find my ring. And, and you know what? I, I'd resolved that it was gone. And the ring didn't cost very much, but it did have sentimental value. And, uh, and come Monday night, I, I, I kind of got to the place where I said to the Lord, Lord, I, it's fine. I, I don't care anymore about the ring. And on the ring, it says, I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. It's a verse from Song of Songs. And, uh, and, and I reiterated that verse to myself and I knew that I am God's beloved and, and he is mine. And I knew the truth. So if I didn't have the ring anymore, at least I knew the truth of what was written on that ring. So I got to the place where I said, right, Lord, the ring is gone. That's grand. Anyway, on Tuesday, I was working from home and I was also doing the, the washing so my wife is a primary school teacher. She was out at work. I did three loads of washing while I was prepping this talk. 
And uh, on the third load of washing, I went to take a look at the washing machine and see uh, if it was nearly finished. And what did I see going around in the washing machine? It was my wedding ring. So I turned it off and waited a couple of minutes for the, the auto lock to unlock. And I got my ring out. And that is a wonderful moment. But I want to tell you, it is not my wedding ring that brings significance and security to my marriage. The wedding ring is a symbol it's a symbol of my commitment to Emma before God. But in losing the ring, the security and the status of my marriage is not affected. It's just a symbol. Now, it does have sentimental value, but ultimately, my marriage to Emma is still secure and significant without a ring. And so it is it with our relationships with the Lord. Our status is secure and significant, even if we do not have things. And so if what makes us significant as money or jobs or houses or careers, possessions, maybe it's social media followers, maybe it's an impressive CV, it could even be our children, whatever else, they can become our treasure. And we often value them because they give us value. And we often treasure them because when we have them, we feel important or we feel better because we have them. And this is why Jesus said in verse 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's harrowing. And the thing that you value because it makes you valuable, you will end up serving. So we serve these things because we need them to prop up our self-worth. And that's why Jesus says no one can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. So whatever gives you significance and value as a, per, as a person is going to be your treasure. And whatever is your treasure is going to have your heart. Whatever has your heart is going to become your master. And whatever is your master is going to control and dictate your happiness, your self-esteem, your confidence. And therefore it controls your anxiety levels. And the fear of losing it can cause you to constantly worry. So it's not just what makes us significant that causes us to worry. It's what makes us feel secure. You know, in verse 26, Jesus talks about sowing and reaping and storing away in barns. And and what he's getting at here is, is greedily saving up so that we can cover any eventuality of the future. And nothing gives gives us a feeling of security and control like money. And and hear me, money's not a bad thing. But think of this, if I have money, then I'll be okay. If my bank account looks good, then I can relax. If my job is secure, then I can be at peace. If I have lots of savings, I need not worry. Money gives us an illusion of control. Makes us think that we are in control. But again, Jesus warns us, if you find security in earthly treasure, you'll always be anxious because none of these things can be guaranteed. And anxiety is going to work its way out in, in daily life. There might be a tendency to overwork to try, to try to secure your future. Maybe it's just frequent checks of the bank account. And that, that, that was my problem. When I came out of college and started to work, I often took a look at my bank accounts just incessantly. I had no need to. I knew what was there, but I, I just kept going there. And so as I confessed that to, to the group of guys that held me to account, we decided that I would remove the banking app from my phone. Because I shouldn't even be needing to go and look there. There's a deeper heart issue. But by removing the bank account from my phone, that meant that I I couldn't go there. Or maybe it's comparison to those richer than you. If I had what they had, it's keeping keeping up with the Joneses. 
Or maybe it's sleeplessness. Maybe it's daydreaming uh, that you're going to have more. We can never guarantee our future. Money can't give us the control that we want. And you know, the, the COVID pandemic a couple of years ago is a really good indicator of that. Or maybe it's the loss of jobs in the tech sector in Dublin at the moment. We see clearly how shaky our foundations are whenever they're not built on Christ. So if anything but God gives you ultimate significance and security in your life, then your life is going to be marked by worry because you may lose these things. So what causes us to worry? The fear of losing earthly treasure which gives significance or security. Why should we not worry? Why should we not worry? Give me a good reason, Matthew, why I should not worry. By shifting our gaze to our Heavenly Father. Take a quick look at creation. Jesus speaks about God feeding the birds of the earth and clothing the grass of the field. And so if God looks after the birds of the grass, which are far less valuable than humans, then surely he will care for you. And maybe that's a word for you today. God looks after the grass and he looks after the birds. How much more will he not care for you? God cares about the details of your lives. Maybe small details, details you think are insignificant. I want to tell you that God cares about them. He knows what we need. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Now it's important to take Jesus' command to look at the birds seriously. The birds can teach us so much. Birds do make provision for the future. How do they do that? Well, they build their nests. They lay eggs. They incubate them. They feed their young. Many birds migrate to warmer climates for winter time, and some of them even store away foods. So there's nothing here to stop Christians from making humble plans for the future or taking natural and sensible steps to care for themselves. So it's important that we do take humble steps. It's important that we do care for ourselves. It's important that we do save. It's important that, that we do work hard. It's important that we, we do consider the, the climate in which we live. But what Jesus forbids here is neither, neither thought nor forethought, but anxious thought. Jesus has forbidden anxious thought here. We're not to be consumed. We're not to be engrossed by these things. We're not to do these things selfishly or arrogantly. Our ultimate trust is not to be in ourselves, but in our Heavenly Father. Therefore, we, we can be able to say that every gift that we have is from his generous hand, not because of my working, not because of what I've earned, not because of, of what I have done. So Jesus says the reason that, that you have no need to worry is because you've got a great and powerful Father. And that power and greatness is being used to care for and to provide for you. God is looking after the birds, so he'll care for you. He's looking after the grass, so he'll look after you. If God doesn't abandon the birds, and if he doesn't abandon the grass, I tell you this today, he will not abandon you. And so in other words, as we get to know the character of God, as we get to know the character of our Father in heaven, our inclination will not be to trust, or not be to worry, and not be to anxiety, but it will be to trust. The character of our Father is one that is for us, not against us. Peter, uh, in 1 Peter 5, goes on to say, casting all your anxiety upon the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. 
Peter, Peter's not, not saying that there's no such thing as anxiety or Christians haven't got anxiety. Peter recognizes that Christians do have anxiety, but look what they do. Look what Christians do with anxiety. Casting all your anxiety upon the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. So what causes us to worry? Fear of losing earthly treasure, which gives us significance and security. Why should we not worry? We need to consider the providential care of our Heavenly Father. And then finally, how can we not worry? So practically, how can we not worry? The obvious antidote is that we choose a different treasure. The obvious antidote is our heart is fixated upon a different treasure. One that we can rely on to give us security. One that we can rely on to give us significance. And that's why back in verse 24, Jesus said, you you need to choose which is it going to be. Is it going to be God or is it going to be money? Which is worth more to you? Which has your ultimate allegiance? So how can we not worry? By realigning our, our gaze. And this is what I want us to do. This is how I want us to finish today. To be a people who would realign our, our gaze in this Lenten season. Back onto the Father. And so Jesus' key takeaway is this. Seek first, and it's in verse 33. Great verse to, to memorize. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So above all else, before anything else, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But you know what? It does not finish there. And all these things will be added unto you. Make God and his kingdom your deepest treasure. And as you pursue God's will and ways, we will have this wonderful assurance that he will look after you. Uh, A.W. Tozer puts it really well. It's going to come up on the screen, I think, I hope. Um, There we go. Wonderful. Uh, A.W. Tozer said back in the 1940s, faith is occupied with the object upon which it rests and it pays no attention to itself at all. While we are looking to God, so while we are looking to God, we pay no attention to ourselves. Blessed riddance. The man who has struggled to purify himself has nothing but repeated failures. The man who has struggled to purify himself and has nothing but repeated failures will experience real relief whenever he stops tinkering with his soul and looks away to the perfect one. While he looks to Christ, the very things he has so long been trying to do will be getting done within him. It will be God working in him to will and to do. Do you see that? The man that looks away from himself and onto Christ. And as he looks onto Christ, as we look onto Christ, the very things that we will want him to do in and through us he will do, but he will do that as we look to him, not as we look into ourselves. So as we realign our gaze back onto God, back onto the giver and, and back onto the giver of good things, we shift our gaze away from the things and onto the giver of the things. And as we do that, we free ourselves from the pursuit of significance and security because in Christ, in Christ we don't need to worry because we are accepted and dearly beloved. We've got all the resources we need for life and godliness. In Christ, we have treasures in heaven for eternity. But it also makes it possible to surrender. I love that song, Jesus, all for Jesus. All my ambitions and hopes and plans, I surrender these to your hands. Wow, I'd love that to be my prayer for 2023. Refusal to worry is an act of surrender because it's a giving over of control. To give up control of guaranteeing your own significance or security. And you're leaving these with God. You're leaving these at the feet of God. And he promises that if we seek him 
and we seek his kingdom first, he will give us all that we need, whether that's clothes, whether that's food, everything else, he will take care of us. So it doesn't just free our hearts and it doesn't just make it possible to surrender, but it also gives us a distinct flavor in society. You notice in verse 34, we do not need to worry about tomorrow. Worrying about tomorrow is double the worry. It's not just the present, but it's also the future. And Jesus goes on to say, each day holds enough worries of its own. So we, we can plan for the future, and rightly so, we should plan. But we're commanded not to worry about the future. You see the distinction? We're to plan for the future, but we're not to worry about the future. And this is one of the things that makes followers of Jesus so distinct in a society that's rife with worry and anxiety. As we seek God's kingdom and his righteousness in our lives, we begin to look radically different from those around us. Whether that's a peace in the midst of uncertainty, or maybe it's a freedom from striving, maybe it's a contentedness just to get on with life. Whatever it is, we begin to model to unbelievers the marks of the kingdom of God. Maybe that's going to be the case in your workplace, where people are striving after these things, striving maybe for more money, more power, more prestige. And, and we don't need to strive. If God gives us those things, then great. If he doesn't, well, we get to serve him. And as we serve him with this peace and this contentment, free from worry, people will begin to look at us and they'll see, wow, there is something different about this person. But, you know, the reality is we can't do that on our own strength. We can only do this because there was one who went before us. There was one who went before us. It's going to come up on the screen. The one who went before us did not take his eye off his father. He didn't pledge allegiance to what the world had to offer. He didn't seek significance and security in the trappings of this world. And you know, you might remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And we're on the run up to Easter and you'll be reading about the Garden of Gethsemane soon. Jesus was sorrowful and troubled. And he, and, and he said in, in Gethsemane, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus knew what it was to worry. He knew what it was to have anxiety. He was fully God and he was fully man. But as he gazed upon his father in the garden, full of worry, full of sorrow, he modeled for us a beautiful picture of surrender and submission. What did Jesus say? My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. You know, on the cross, Jesus experienced separation from the Father as he took upon himself the sin of the world. Jesus was separated from God so that we don't have to be. Jesus found his significance and his security in his Father, and so can we. Jesus surrendered his worry, and he trusted the will of the Father. Jesus didn't deny that he was anxious, didn't deny that he was worried, but what did he do? He surrendered that and he submitted to that. that. He brought it to the Father and they went along with the Father because he trusted him. And so over this Lenten period and in the run-up to Easter, we can use these verses and these moments to realign our hearts and our gaze back onto God. And you know, God knows that we're going to fail again. He knows that we're going to stray. And he knows that we're going to, begin to look to other things to give us what only he can. But it's beautiful because God is patient with us. He wants us to walk with him. God gives us the promises and the resources, 
that we need to be fully reliant on him. Can I invite you to stand? I'm going to pray and the band are going to come back up. And as the band come back up, we're going to sing a wonderful old hymn called Great is Your Faithfulness, O God, my Father. God, I thank you for your word and I thank you that your word stands true. And I thank you, Lord, that even when we, your people, are not faithful, that you still remain faithful to us. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, your hand has provided. Great is your faithfulness, Father, to me. Lord, I pray that we would be a people who are free from worry and free from anxiety. A people whose gaze are fixed upon you. And as our gaze is fixed upon you, I pray that we would look radically distinct uh, in society, in our workplaces and in our homes because we have security and significance that is tied to you and not tied to the things of this world that are prone to decay and prone to theft and prone to, um, or prone to loss. Thank you, Jesus, that our, our significance can be in you. In Jesus' name, amen.